0: In Southeast Agnet's Ag in review for the week ending October 2nd. Many had hoped Trans-Pacific Partnership negotiators would wrap talks up this week in Atlanta, Georgia. But unfortunately, the conclusion of those negotiations had been delayed. National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Associate Director of Legislative Affairs, Kent Backus, was at the meetings and explains what they're still hoping for.
1: The most important thing that we can see is that a comprehensive agreement be concluded. And we're talking about a a good agreement that can get enough support from all the industries and something that can really help us set uh, a level playing field throughout the Pacific Rim countries for this generation and generations to come. We're really looking for a solid agreement, and we need that agreement to happen immediately.
0: And Backus explains the importance of these negotiations wrapping up. We're concerned that
1: the longer these negotiations drag out, you could start to see more backsliding on issues that were once concluded. And so we realize that it's important to have, you know, substance of a process. It's important to have a good quality deal and that there's still some outstanding issues. But we're hopeful that this will be the week that they be resolved. Because if they're not, we're going to continue to be further behind other countries who are trying to uh, go ahead and set up these agreements uh, outside of TPP. In particular, uh, Australia and Japan have an agreement in place that already gives Australia a tariff rate advantage over the U.S. beef in the Japanese market. And as you know, Japan is our largest export market. So every day that TPP is not concluded and put into action is another day we're going to be further behind the Australians.
0: Well, another other news, southeast row crop farmers are being encouraged to prepare for the El Nino event this fall. Brianna Buller talked with University of Georgia plant pathologist Bob Kimwright
2: about this. One of the messages I'm trying to get out to growers and a lot of my colleagues are as well is the threat or the reality of El Nino this year. Dr. Kimright says that this super El Nino is a warming of Pacific waters off the equator and it can have drastic effects on the climate. And what we expect with this super El Nino, which they're calling it, uh, probably of the likes we've not seen since the mid-1980s, is a wetter uh, late fall and a wetter winter. It may be cooler as well. And so the message to growers is, if you have trouble getting into the field, beginning in late October and continuing through March, because of wet fields, what are some of the conditions or what are some of the things you'd like to plan for? Certainly we don't want to delay harvest of our cotton and peanuts if we can help it. If we're going to use fumigants, we may want to put fumigants out before Uh, the wintertime in order to make sure they're in place if we might not be able to plant corn as early as we would what kind of varieties would we want to do so those are the factors my biggest concern with El Nino is that it could inhibit growers from putting out the nematicides in a timely manner they need to be prepared for doing that for Southeast Agnet I'm Brianna Bullard and speaking of weather Tyron Spearman talks about how weather conditions
0: have and may continue to affect the peanut harvest in some areas
3: Well, the weather is impacting peanuts again. A cool front came through this past week in Georgia, Florida, and Alabama, leaving a little bit of rain, delay and field action. But now a hurricane is coming up the East Coast, and weather officials say it's a complex weather pattern that could affect East Georgia and also affect South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia. Depending on the track of that hurricane, officials said it could impact the peanut world. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast AgNet.
0: Uh, Kathy Isom tells us what to look for when sharing the roadway with Farm Equipment.
4: Looking around and being aware of your surroundings on and off the roadway when coming upon slow-moving farm equipment is just as important as knowing and maintaining a safe travel distance when following from behind. For example, when coming up on a tractor or other piece of farm equipment that's slow-moving, don't expect them to pull over right away.
1: The trouble is some of our shoulders are soft or there might be obstacles and preventing them from pulling over. So just trust them to pull over when they can and then pass when it's safe.
4: Mike Staten of Michigan State University Extension says motorists should also keep in mind that left-hand turns will be common as this equipment turns into a driveway or farm field.
1: The motorist that's following them won't be aware of that, so they will run into the tractor as it's turning. So just be aware of that. Look for farm buildings on the left side of the road. Look for the equipment to be slowing down a little bit. Of course, always look for signals.
4: Either in the way of flashing warning lights or hand signals. I'm Kathy Isom. Southeast Agnet.
0: And to wrap up this week's podcast, Ever Grinder talks about bees in the classroom.
3: Well, I'll make you a bet. You go into any classroom in America in the early classroom stage and ask, What does a bee do? You're going to get one of two answers they'll sting you, or they make honey. One entrepreneur thinks our children should know a lot more about bees, not just that they cause our food to grow and provide honey how they live, how hard they work, how short their life, and how they reproduce. He has proposed installing glass-enclosed hives in classrooms and teaching children the importance of bees to food production and the overall environment. Well, a hive in a classroom may be going a little bit too far, but one of our first objectives is to teach our kids about the birds and the bees. So, wouldn't the early classroom be a choice place to begin? What I'm thinking is this would be something we need a lot more adults to know about. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Greiner, Southeast AgNet. And
0: a quick reminder, the official USDA annual citrus crop forecast is set to be released at 12 noon Eastern time this coming Friday, October 9th. And of course, Southeast AgNet will again provide live broadcast coverage on our Citrus News affiliate stations and on our website, southeastagnet.com. Yes, so be sure to join us again. That's all at 12 noon Eastern time this coming Friday, October the 9th. And, of course, you can hear all of the reports we talked about and more from this past week on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.